Blog Talk Radio.
Good morning, good morning. This is Sharma Kane. I'm your reverend for this morning. And welcome to Sacred Sundays. I'm sorry I was a couple minutes late. Uh, I'm sorry about that. God bless you guys for waiting. Uh, so good morning, my friends. The opening music was by Save Vocal Group from the CD Native Angels by Save. It's an awesome CD, and I highly recommend it. It's Native American instruments with Gregorian chanting, unlike anything you ever heard. Um, and I love this kind of music and many other kinds of music, but this is wonderful for this morning. You can go to Save, S-A-V-A-E, dot org, or you can find them on Facebook. And they also do live shows, and you can listen to them on YouTube and also get their CD on Amazon. It's called Native Angels, if you love it, by Save. Okay, so I'd like to welcome everybody for this beautiful, sacred Sunday morning and their first, this is our first uh, service of the new year, and I feel very blessed to be here and be with you again for another Sunday as we close out the book of Acts, and we're all the way up to chapter 28, so get your Bibles ready. I'm, as I said, Reverend Sharma Cain, I'm a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of the Ryrie Study Bible, and of course, you may use any Bible you wish. Um, we just uh, read from the Bible, share our experience spiritual experience, has selected readings, and we're just a real selves in a comfortable format. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can go to www.biblia.com and uh, get go online. It's a really good reference. So we're here every Sunday morning uh, at 11 a.m., and today I was a tiny bit late. So let's just do our opening prayer and say together, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We pray for all the Christians being persecuted worldwide, and their freedom to worship and lives are in jeopardy. And this is going on all over. Even here in America, people uh, seem to uh, be repelled by the word Jesus. And we have read in the Bible that um, Jesus said, don't don't be tripped up because of me and that uh, don't be embarrassed of me. And uh, now we understand what he means by that, that people are embarrassed to speak the name Jesus Christ. And we love Jesus. And we're just here in this one day a week at least. And if you're like me, you know, we end up praying all day, every day because of our own personal suffering, of our happiness, and also we pray for others. And then uh, we also want to keep in our prayers all those suffering violence here at home and abroad. And we pray for the suffering of any kind of domestic violence in our own homes and and the problems with addictions of all kinds. And just, God, help us. Help the angels stand in for us. Please, God, send your mighty Archangel Michael to fight against the evil and protect everyone and all your angels that watch over everybody. I do believe everybody has personal angels that watch over them and also family members that pray for you from above, including the saints and the Blessed Mother. Our prayers go out to all those who suffer in the world, including the poor animals who can't speak for themselves. We also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of our policymakers. They have many decisions to make, and we are praying for all countries, for leaders of all countries. Uh, we pray for their leaders for wisdom and do the right thing, and we also pray for problems of suffering and starvation all over the whole world. Dear God in heaven, please help us feed the little ones. Please 
help us make sense of what's going on. We thank you for everything, God. We thank you so much. And we ask Jesus to bless us and help us grow under his care and his guidance. And we pray for everybody and their families to hold fast together. And that we pray for healing of all kinds. And I want to say happy birthday to all the birthday people this morning, and there's a lot of them. But I also want to say a very special happy birthday to my middle grandson, Mark. Um, he's the apple of my eye. I love him very much. And we had a spiritual to- together at his birth. And uh, I have I have that in my book, and I've also said this on another show. And uh, I God bless uh, my grandson, Mark. Love you, Mark. And God bless everybody that's having a wonderful birthday today. And also... Um, there's another resource for the Bible as we get ready to read our last book in the Acts. is uh, www.biblegateway.com. That's another way to get resources for uh, the Bible. And um, this week we're reading uh, chapter 28, but let's review uh, chapter 27. Now we know we went through a amazing story of uh, Paul uh, and other prisoners were taken aboard a boat uh, to Rome, and the story was written. This whole chapter, this whole book, was actually written by Luke, Saint Luke of the Bible, and he was with Paul, and he was a witness when it happened. So he was able to tell us that uh, how the wind was with her, whether it was coming from the north or the east, and how they followed along the shore. Uh, quite, quite amazing that we got the first-hand report in in detail. But that's Luke was a doctor, physician. And he was also an artist. Uh, we believe that he he did paint the the first icons and everything else. And that uh, I really, in particular, like Saint Luke, and uh, he was an amazing apostle. So he traveled and suffered along with Paul. And um, let's see. Let's read a little bit of the notes. And finally, as uh, remember, everybody wouldn't eat for 15 days, and then Paul finally gets everybody food. And they gave thanks that they were still alive. And uh, the whole people, everybody on the ship, there was 276 people on board, it's reported. And they all started to feel better. And then what happened was they came near land in a huge reef. And uh, it's, the, it's, it's almost like Titanic without the iceberg. And uh, the head soldier tells everybody to jump overboard and swim for land. And, and anyway, everybody finally makes off, makes it off the ship and everything else. So why don't we go to uh, chapter 28. So let's see. They all did get safely to land, and uh, that's the end of that part. So now we're on our last uh, chapter, uh, chapter 28. Let's read together. Paul in Malta and on to Rome. And I just, I had a friend from Facebook, and she said uh, her parents were actually born in Malta, which is quite amazing. And uh, I've never known anybody from there, so it's it's really amazing to hear about this land. And uh, uh, Malta is in a, quite a few movies, and one of my favorite movies, The Count of Monte Cristo. So if you've seen that, you can see the setting. It's a very unusual area. Anyway, Acts chapter 28. When they had been brought safely through... Then we found out that the island was called Malta. The natives showed us extraordinary kindness, and because of the rain that had set in and because of the cold, they kindled a fire and received us all. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out and because of the heat and fastened itself to his hand. 
When the natives saw the creature hanging from his hands, they began saying to one another, Undoubtedly this man is a murderer, though he has been saved from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. However, he shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no harm. But they were expecting that he was about to swell up and suddenly fall down dead. But after that, they waited a long time and see nothing unusual happen to him. They changed their minds and began to say he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the leading man of the island, named Publius, who welcomed us and entertained us courteously three days. And it happened that the father of the Publius was lying in bed afflicted with recurrent fever and dysentery. And Paul went in to see him, and after he had prayed, he laid his hands on him and healed him. After this had happened, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases were coming to him and getting cured. They also honored us with many marks of respect, and when they were, we were setting sail, they supplied us with all we needed. At the end of three months, we set sail on an Alexandrian ship which had wintered at the island and which had the twin brothers for its figurehead. After I guess that's the Roman twin brothers. After we put in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. And from there, we sailed around and arrived at R-H-E-G-U-I-M. And a day later, a south wind sprang up. And on the second day, we came to Pochetchali. Excuse my, uh, I don't know how to pronounce a lot of these things. Anyway, there we found some brethren. And we were invited to stay with them for seven days. And thus, we we came to Rome. And the brethren, when they heard about us, came from there as a market of of Apuleius and three inns to meet us. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. And when we entered Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with a soldier who was guarding him. Paul in Rome. We're now at 17. After three days, Paul called together those who were leading the men of the Jews. And when they came together, he began saying to them, Brethren, though I had no, done nothing against our people, for the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem to the hands of the Romans. And when they had examined me, they were willing to release me because there was no ground for putting me to death. But when the Jews objected, I was forced to appeal to Caesar, not that I had any accusation against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I requested to see you and speak with you, and I am wearing this chain for the sake of the hope of Israel. And they said to him, We have neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor any of the brethren come here and report or spoke anything bad about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are, for concerning this sect, it is known to us that it is spoken against everywhere. Wow, must be the Christians. When they had set a day for Paul, they came to him at his lodging a large numbers, and he was explaining to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus from the, both the law of Moses and from the prophets and from the morning until the evening. Some were being persuaded by the things were spoken, others would not believe. And when they did not agree with one another, they began leaving after Paul had spoken one parting word. The Holy Spirit rightly spoke through Isaiah, the prophet to your father, saying, Go to this people and say, You will keep on hearing, but you will not understand. And you will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull, and with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart in return, and I would heal them. 
Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will also listen. And when he spoke these words, the Jews departed, having a great dispute among themselves. And he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. That was the end of it. Wow. So we have lots of notes in this one. So let's go back. So they weren't listening to Paul. It just seems that when Saul, but when Paul was Saul, he persecuted Christians, and now he's being persecuted for the sake of Christians. And what comes around goes around. St. Paul, he's an amazing person. Okay, so uh, let's start reading the notes. And so we're at 28, and we're reading one. Malta is 60 miles south of this Sicily. And then it says, note two, natives. The primary meaning of the Greek word is that people who speak a foreign tongue, actually non-Greeks. Uh, 28, 3 through 6. The locals must have recognized the snake as poisonous. Not only did, not, did Paul survive, but his hand didn't even swell. And then... The notes 2810. Notice that Paul did not require gifts be given to him before he would heal. The supplies were given in appreciation for Paul's ministry. At the end of three months, so this was in late February or March, and and Regium, Regium, okay, a town at the toe of Italy, modern Regia di Calabria, uh, Pitoli, a port on the Bay of Naples, Ostia, Romans Harbor wasn't a deep enough harbor at this time to receive Alexandrian grain ships. And now we're at 2815. Brethren, Christianity spread to Italy by those who believed of the day of the Pentecost. Two, Paul's letter to the Romans was sent several years before his arrival there. I didn't know that. And then 2817. Paul wanted to prevent any derogatory report from his Jewish enemies in Jerusalem. The hope of Israel. The, mess- the Messianic hope incarnate in Jesus Christ, the fulfiller of the Old Testament promises. Okay, now we're up to 28:23. Trying to persuade the Jews meant proving to them from Scripture and his resurrection that Jesus was the Messiah. Then 28:25-27 is all citation of this passage, Isaiah 6, 9-10, has been regarded as a parting shot at their obtuseness. He followed it by a declaration of henceforth salvation will be preached to the Gentiles. The Jews having refused it. Okay. And then 2830, two full years from his own rented quarters. During this time of confinement, Paul wrote Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon. And see the introduction to Ephesians, knowing that they could not get a verdict of guilty, his accusers probably never showed up and therefore lost the case by default. Paul would then have been released and become free to engage in ministry reflecting the, the pastoral epistles before being rearrested and finally martyred. See the introduction to Titus and welcoming all. One of those who met Paul was well, was Onesimus, who became a Christian. And so this is really amazing and it's going to lead us up to starting Romans as we just read straight through the Bible. And... Uh, in Paul's life, it has a little uh, uh, paragraph here, and it says, uh, around the time of Jesus' birth, you know, Paul was born. 
and uh, the conversion of Paul happened in A.D. 33. His first missionary journey happened in 47 through 48. And Galatians was written after the first journey, and that was the year 49. This is talking about each year. Apostolic Council at Jerusalem was in 49. Second ministry of the journey, 49 52. First and second Thessalonians written during the second journey, and that was in 51. And third missionary journey was in 56 to 58. And then the first and second Corinthians was written during the third journey. And then, uh, let's see, Romans was written during the third journey. Arrest in Jerusalem happened around 58. The journey to Rome, 59 to 60. We're just talking about the year, so this is, you know, we go according to, uh, I know that the things have changed, you know, A.D. and everything else, but I still go by the old school way. Anyway, the rest in Jerusalem and in Rome waiting under guard, and then uh, we're talking Philemon, Colossians, Colossians, sorry, Ephesians, the Philippians were written in prison, that was in 61, and then he wrote Titus, Timothy and Titus, and he wrote a, a lot, and these were all like letters, and uh, we'll bring this up to 66 and 67, and then uh, we'll just wait for, for Romans, because we do know that Paul was smartered, and uh, so we have made it all the way through Acts, so next week we're going to start with our Romans, who's also written by Paul, and the date for this book is uh, 57 through 58. And um, now I think I'm going to read you a little bit through guideposts. And I'm going to pick a story uh, at random. And uh, I just want to say thank you, everyone that has been listening this morning. I really appreciate you. Um, it's uh, really been an awesome whole year of reading the Bible. And I feel so blessed that we're sticking with it and we just keep reading through and I God bless you for listening every week and being a friend. Okay, so let's, uh, I'm just going to randomly pick a story. Okay, let's see, have I already read this? Okay, I think... Okay, this is a story from Los Angeles, California. Okay, The Magic Violin by Shoni Alex Braun, Los Angeles, California. I'm a concert violinist, yet I find it strange that the instrument I play for people's enjoyment also figured in two most horrific times of my life. The first happened is when I was four. Our family lived in a small town in Romania, province of Transylvania. Papa was a jeweler, a deeply devout man who carried his on his father's rabbinical traditions. Mama kept the Sabbath, lit candles when she prayed, and nurtured her six children in our faith. One day while Mama was busy cooking, a young nursemaid walked me near the thick woods outside of town. However, in rendezvousing with her sweetheart, she forgot about me. Intrigued by the trilling of the birds, I wandered into the forest. Soon I was lost. Amid towering dark trees, my fascination turned to terror. Crying hysterically, I pushed through the brush and brambles to find myself in a clearing. It was a gypsy encampment of wagons and brightly painted canvases. Smoke rose from the cooking fires tended by women in long billowing dresses. One of them saw me and came over and knelt before me. Where are you from, little one? She asked. I cried harder. I called to a swarthy man in a dangling gold earring. He came, came over and carrying a violin, lifting it to his chin and said, Watch now. 
There's a little birdie inside that will hop out when I play. As if by magic, beautiful bird songs sounded from the violin. My tears dried. For a brief time I was with the gypsies. I was enthralled by their music. After being delivered home, I, con- I was consumed with passion to play the violin. My papa found a, a child-sized instrument, and I practiced for hours every day. At age 10, I played on Radio Bucharest, and at 13, I was accepted to study at the Bucharest Academy of Music. Then, just when life seemed most glorious, Nazi troops marched into Hungary, which was the ruling northern Transylvania. The Tessendorik local police with the Nazis rounded us, us Jews up in carts. Cattle cars transported to Auschwitz our nightmare began. As I saw my mother holding my nine-year-old sister's hands as they walked to the gas chambers, which were disguised as showers. Oh, no. And there in Auschwitz, I learned to shrink from the dreaded kapos. Those were vicious, hardcore convicts appointed by the SS to dead work gangs. Though still prisoners, they were free to brutalize us. We were moved from one concentration camp to another, losing loved ones along the way. By the time we were enslaved at Tokendorf salt mines, only Papa, my brother's old town, and I were left. My sister Violet and brothers Emil and Adolf had been shipped elsewhere, but my father, a shining example of love and goodness, would not speak ill of the Nazis, never be hateful towards anyone he admonished us. Hunger had reduced us to near animals. A couple eating an apple was watched fiercely. The instant he talked away the core, a horde of inmates flew at it. Finally, I could not take the beings and cruelty any longer. I was 14 years old and I wanted to die. I looked at my father laboring next to me and staggered toward the electrified fence. Knowing my thoughts, Papa gently took my arm. Son, did you practice the Bombs Violin Concerto and the Chrysler composition today? I shook my head. God has given you a wonderful talent. Do not throw it away. Reluctantly, I turned back. While swinging my hammer in the iron hard salt, I played the music in my mind, as Papa had wanted me to do every day. When I finished, I didn't want to die. One cold morning, my dear Papa did not show up for roll call. Find him, roared an officer. Worn from hunger and hard work, he had overslept. As he was dragged before us, the officer bellowed. It took ten minutes to find this dirty Jewish dog. It was then ten extra minutes Germany has kept us from victory. Sultan and I were forced to watch while the guards seriously and viciously kicked and bled in our father. I pleaded for God to save him, but Papa crumbled into the snow, bleeding from his mouth. His lips were moving, and I heard, went closer to hear the dying gasp. Shima Yisrael Adani. Elohano Adani Eho. Hear, O Israel, the Lord of our God, the Lord is one. All something I could do was wail in anguish. Then my agony turned to anger at God. How could he allow this to happen to such a saintly man? We trudged through the mines and decided there was no God. That night I slipped on vermin infested straw. Papa came to me in a dream. Yidshek, he said, using my Hebrew name. God is real. Have faith, trust in him, and you will survive. I awake in comfort, and I knew Papa was right. But I wondered about his promise of my survival after we moved to Dachau. Evil hung over it like a turpid cloud. One evening, an SS officer strode into our barracks holding a violin. I hadn't seen a violin in so long. Anyone who can play will be given food, he promised. 
three hands shot up, including mine. Others were older men, one in his 40s, the other about 25. We were hustled into a large room and pushed before the SS commandant. A tall, steel-eyed man in jackboots slouched in a chair. A menacing attack dog sat at his side. Three hulking couples, each gripping with iron pipe, stood nearby. The commandant pointed his stick to the oldest prisoner who was handed the violin. Play something, the commandant ordered in a bored tone. The man turned, tuned the instrument, and began to play. His notes were shaky, but soon he was playing Bach's Chachon Sonata No. 6 beautifully. When the final note died, the SS man barked, Schlosslitz, awful, and he waved at one of the couples who lunged forward and viciously brought the pipe down the violinist's head. I realized we were there for sadistic entertainment. The body was dragged away and the second prisoner shoved forward. His face was ashen and the violin shook so in his hands he could not play a straight note. The SS officer sneered. You want me to give you food for that? And he motioned, and two couples began kicking and beating him to death. In the commotion, I bolted for the door, but the other guard caught me and thrust the violin into my arms. I had never played a full-size instrument before. Trembling, I tried to focus. I had planned to play a sonata by Dorvok, or a composition by Cressler, but my mind went blank. Feel, said the SS man, ordering me to play. I lifted the violin to my chin, praying, Oh God, how does the sonata start? How does the Krishna piece begin? Play Schneiderwind, Schneiderwind, I don't know how to pronounce it. My fingers were so weakened by starvation, I could barely curve them around the fingerboard, much less press the strings. My body turned to water as one of the couples eagerly advanced, raising his iron pipe. As I stood there waiting for the pipe to strike my skull, a powerful force took hold of me. My right and left hands began to move in unison without conscious effort on my part. Beautiful music poured out of my violin like the birds that had flown out of the gypsies that day long. I was playing Johann Strauss' Blue Danube Waltz. The idea of that piece had not entered my mind. I had never played it before, nor had I ever seen the music. I knew immediately God was protecting me and his angel was guiding my hands. I continued playing. All the eyes were on the SS officer, but instead of signaling to the capital, he began humming the melody and tapping his rhythm to his fingers. When my bow swept out the last note, the com- commandant growled, Sir Gunt, give him the food. But I had already gained my reward, a strong certainty, whether I survived Doc Cow or not. God would always be with me, his angels guiding me. Excuse me. What a terrible war. Just before the American liberation of Dachau in April 1945, Shoni Alex Braun was shot by camp guards attempting to destroy of Nazi atrocities. While recuperating in an Allied hospital, he played his violin in bed. Another patient, Sherry Mendel-Waltz, heard his music. Today, Sherry, a survivor of Auschwitz, is his wife. And they have a son and a daughter. After the war, Shorty studied at music conservatories in Augsburg 
in Munich and graduated with honors from the famous Mozarium in Salzburg. On coming to the U.S., he studied with the distinguished Joseph Gengold. He is also a prolific composer, and in 1994, he was nominated for the Pulitzer Prize for the Symphony of the Holocaust. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. Um, what an evil war. So let's say our closing prayer that we traditionally say at the end of each of our church services. Let's take a moment of signs of people out there that are still suffering and those that are suffering the memory of the terrible war and World War II. And God bless us, everyone. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. In closing, may God bless and keep you in his loving arms so that you have the strength to face whatever is ahead. You are never alone. I love you, and may your best dreams come true, and true loving you. Live in your heart. God bless you all. Amen. Bye-bye.